let's just say somebody came up to you today, today, and they came up to you and they said to you, hey, here's $1 billion. No strings attached. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to answer to me. You do whatever you want. It's just for you. Have at it. It's $1 billion. And little plus, it's tax-free, right? So you can use it whatever you want, $1 billion. What would you choose to do with that $1 billion? Now, like, what, about a month ago, was it that uh, the, the lottery was up to like $2 billion? And probably a lot of us, whether we, we bought a ticket or not, we were probably thinking, what would I do with that kind of money? What would I do if I had all the money in the world? What would I choose to do with that? And probably maybe some of those thoughts were like, you know what, you know, uh, you know, first of all, I would give 10%, you know, that's, I'd give away $100 million, you know, to whatever God kind of leads me to, to give to, and then $900 million, what would I do with $900 million? And we probably think about, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I would, uh, you know, buy some things or some stuff I would love I and mean, upgrade my house and car and things like that. And but I think that when we think about money like that, it's not so much just the, the stuff that we may buy or whatever. I think, I think what really kind of draws us into having something like that is really choices, right? If you had like a billion dollars, you would be like, dude, I have a lot of choices. I can choose to keep working if I like what I'm doing. I can choose to say, see you later. Or I can choose to work for a little while and then quit whenever I wanted to because I'm not beholden to a company or to an employer or, or a paycheck. I can do whatever I want. And so every day I can get up and go, well, I can choose to do this or I can choose to do that. Or we can go wherever we want to go, right? And if I have all that money, we can like go to Europe, we can go to Asia, call up uh, Blue Origin and get a ticket up to space. Well, we can do a lot of things, choices. We have so much choices. So if you have that kind of money, what would you choose to do with that kind of money? Okay, now think about it this way. How many of you, when you're, you've done that, I'm sure all of us at one time or another, whether we were kids or older or whatever, we've thought about what we would do with that kind of money. How many of us have it on our radar that we would choose, if we had all the choices that we could choose to do whatever we wanted to do, we would choose to just push all of that money to the side, be born into and to live, choose to live in abject poverty, and then choose, because you can choose and do whatever you want to do, choose to die a horrific death. Well, that's a choice that our God made. I mean, think about that. I mean, God has more choices than even billionaires do. And so when God, who can choose to do whatever he wants, to have whatever he wants, go wherever he wants to go, if he had all the choices in the world, what would he choose to do? In a weird way, God chooses very differently than what we tend to operate in our minds. We don't like, all right, I won the lottery. So I'm going to give all, shove that all the way to the side. I'm going to become poor, be misunderstood by society, and then they're all going to kill me. That's what I choose to do. That's my choice. And we would think, that is a really odd, maybe even kind of seems like almost a dumb choice. But the God of infinite choices made that choice. And ultimately, what we'll see is we're going to kind of walk through, you know, the choices that our God makes is kind of come to this idea that God, that God's choices has meaning. God's choices have meaning behind them. There's, there's meaning. There's, there's understanding behind that. Understanding about him and life and what it's all supposed to, to be about. And, 
Not only that, but it also speaks of his character and of his love. I don't know about you. I don't know where you are spiritually, how many times you've been in church, but I bet probably all of us in here have been to at least a few Christmas-like services and, you know, baby Jesus and all of that. And we do this every single year, right, you know, in, in church. Well, this year, what I want us to do is for the next few weeks, just to really kind of focus in on the idea that everything that we celebrate during Christmas is a celebration, really, of God's choice. This is what he chose to do. You and I, we cannot manipulate them. We cannot tell them that this is what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to spend your time, God. No, these are the things that the God of the universe chose to do. When he says, you know what, I can do whatever I want, this is what I'm going to do. And ultimately what we're going to see, like I said, is just the heart and the love of God. That what we see with God is his choices are a choice of love. It's the choice of other, of us, which is very different. Because I know if there's anything inside of me when I think about winning a billion dollars, yeah, okay, maybe I'll give a little money here and help some people out. But I'll, that's like part of it to make me kind of feel good about myself. But really, ultimately, it's about what I do for me. Like, this is what I want to do. This is how, what I want to have. This is all these things. God makes his choices because he sees you and I and he loves us. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to open up. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to kind of look at the birth of Christ. We're going to kind of b- bounce around a little bit to some other passages. But we're going to camp out there on Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And so let's kind of dive in here and just kind of look at God's choice here. Luke 2, 1 through 2, and what we can learn and all that. At that time, okay, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So, just kind of, you know, camp on this a little bit here. When we think about God's choices, what did he choose? He chose, he came into a world that was basically ruled by a very powerful dictator. Here he's taking his senses, and taking his senses by any kind of kingdom is really kind of twofold. There's multiple aspects of it. One is, what is your military might? What kind of military do you need in order to keep oppressing the local people that... um, that you tax from, which is also the other piece of it. You take a census so you know how many able-bodied people who, who work who, that you can extract money from, okay? So that way you can manage your, imp- your empire. So in Luke chapter 2, what we're looking at here is just this idea of a very oppressive world. So when we think about God, you know what? I can go anywhere I want to go. What does he choose? He comes into, chose freely to come into a oppressed world with a dictator emperor. That's important. So he goes on in verse 3, and he says, so uh, all the people to take their census, they all returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. So that's kind of what they had to do. And because Joseph, right, Mary and Joseph, Joseph, uh, was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. So we have uh, Mary and we have Joseph. And so Joseph, part of the census, since he was under the lineage of the king of, you know, David, 
he had to go to David's hometown where David was born. Now, David, just kind of help you out a little bit, who's David? David was probably one of the most powerful or most well-known kings of Israel in Israel's history. When Joseph is coming on the scene, he's coming on the scene around 0 AD, right? The birth of Christ, because he's, you know, part of that. And um, David lived 900 years or so before Joseph. So there's a lineage. So all those people who come under the lineage of their great, 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 great grandfather David had to go to Bethlehem to be part of the census. So he's going to his home. He lived in a town called Nazareth, which was in Galilee, which is up north. So he had to go long travel. He had to travel a long way. Nazareth, most, some of you guys have probably heard of Nazareth, but the only reason we've ever heard about Nazareth is because of Jesus. Nazareth was basically just a hillbilly town out in the north uh, near the Sea of Galilee. But anyways, this hillbilly from Nazareth had to go and, and um, go to his hometown, uh, Bethlehem, in order to, uh, for them to take the census. And so one of the things that we see um, is about God and God's choices is God also revealed himself and revealed his choices to us. Way before all of this happened, God said through a prophet named Samuel, 900 BC, basically, you know, or, or God just said, I'm sorry, not through, it's written in Samuel, 2 Samuel, that God spoke and spoke to King David saying that there's going to become a person that is going to be born through your lineage. It comes from 2 Samuel chapter uh, 7, verse 12. For when you, King David, die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. In other words, God is saying, this is what I'm going to choose to do, David. I'm going to choose, okay, I'm going to choose to have somebody raise up from one of your descendants to come, and he's going to make a kingdom. He's going to make your kingdom strong. But it's going to be kind of a little bit different in the way that he does it. He goes on in the next verse here. He is the one who will build a house, a temple, for my name. It's going to be a little bit diff different temple. Temple not made with human hands, but the temple made up of those who follow Christ. And so who is the he? The he he's talking about is Jesus. And so, and I will secure his royal throne forever. So way before Joseph was on the scene, before Mary was on the scene, before Jesus was on the scene, God was saying, hey, uh, David, here's my choice. My choice is, is that I am going to, uh, there's going to be somebody from your lineage who's going to come into this world and he's going to be a great king. And he's going to make a new temple of people that are going to come together to, to honor me, to worship me, and to become one. And his kingdom is going to be strong. His kingdom is going to be forever. And so we see uh, from another prophet, about 700 years before Jesus, from a prophet named Micah, God said this, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So 700 years before Jesus even comes on the scene, God is, is mentioning and speaking out his choices. And this is what I'm going to choose to do. Okay? I'm going to choose that out of Bethlehem, this king who's going to rule and rule forever, that's where he's going to be born. 
And so we see then another prophet, a prophet named Isaiah, who is living somewhere around the same time as, as Micah, said this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, where Nazareth is, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. In verse 2, he goes on and says about this Galilee, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. What great light will they see? They'll see Jesus Christ, right? We'll see that after, you know, Joseph, who's from Nazareth, goes down with Mary, and Mary gives birth in Bethlehem to the Messiah, to Jesus. They go back up, and that's where Jesus uh, grew up and where we see a lot of his ministry that was done, by which the people saw a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And so you see that God is revealing to people, these are my choices. This is, as, as I have all the infinite choices, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this out. And so Joseph goes, okay. And back in Luke chapter 2, verse 5, he says, okay. So he takes Mary with him, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. But, not a, but okay, he's engaged. They're not married. In other words, this baby that Mary has is... She's born, you know, a virgin, you know, has a baby through, and she's a virgin, not through Joseph, but through God. And what we find, if you go and read chapter one of John, you will find that this baby is not just any baby. This baby is God in the flesh. That God chooses and chose to come into this world through a virgin, okay, that will create some confusion in his life, right? Because wait a minute. So Joseph's not your dad. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's born of of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yeah, right, he's born of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great excuse. Right, yeah, there's some some things that, no, 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 it's what it is. So even God, born of a virgin, is born into a world in in a way that also breeds kind of confusion about who he is. And that's his choice. It's kind of weird, but that's, that's what he chooses to do. And as we see that, you know, even though Dave, or, or Joseph was born into the line of David, King David, he was not a prince. He was not royalty. He was a carpenter. He had good money. He wasn't rich. We'll see later on some of the sacrificial choices that they make as a family. You would see they would use kind of the impoverished choices to sacrifice, you know, two turtle doves and whatever. Um, and some of the things that are kind of the cheaper side of, of sacrifices because they couldn't afford the more expensive sacrifices like a lamb or bull or anything like that. They didn't have a lot of money. And that was, God chose that. God chose. He could do whatever he wants, come into this world, whatever. He could have been, could have been the son of Augustus, born in Rome with all the trappings of being the, you know, the prince of the Roman Empire, could have done all of that. But what does he do? He chose. This is what he did. He said, I can do whatever I want. This is what I choose. To come into this family, this small little family in Nazareth, this way, and under these financial means. And so he goes on, as we see here in in Isaiah, um, going back to Isaiah, 900 years before Jesus. 
All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give, a birth, give, a, uh, give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. That Jesus is God with us. Now, we're people, and so what we know is our own experience. And so through knowing our own experience, and because, you know, we are people, we tend to think that, you know, as people, that we are pretty great species, creation, right? But we also have to remember that God of the universe is not a person. He's far greater than we are. So for him to choose to become one of us is not an upgrade, okay? It is a sacrifice because he's becoming like one of his creations, the creator. And that's what he chose because he loves us, which is amazing. And so we see 900 years before Jesus was even born that God said, here's the deal. A virgin is going to give birth and it's going to give birth to a son. His name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The cool thing about that, so, you know, for those of you who are kind of not familiar with, with Scripture, the Bible, if you open it up, it's kind of like has two parts to it. It has this New Testament part and has this Old Testament part. This New Testament part is really the life after Jesus. And the Old Testament part is basically the law and the prophets before Jesus. Okay, so Isaiah is one of those prophets before Jesus. And these two pieces didn't, aren't just like one book that just kind of fell out of heaven that just is there. no. All of these writings, like Isaiah, like for instance, in 1947, there was all these Dead Sea Scrolls that were found um, in the, by the Sea of Galilee, and there was a scroll of Isaiah that dated to 100 B.C. Do you know what B.C. means? Before Christ. So 100 years before Christ, there was a copy of this writing down before Christ that this would happen. And so God, when God makes his choices, we also see that they, he makes do on the things that he chooses to do. So going into Luke chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. And, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a nice, sweet, swaggy kind of luxurious bed. No, it's not what God chose. He chose to come into this world wrapped in strips of cloth and laid them in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That right there should show you that even when God he chooses to come into this world to save Israel, the Israelites won't even give them a place in his house, in a house. And we see through that, that even when God come, chooses to come into this world, he comes into this world with great grace. Great grace. Because, you know, humanity, we tend to be like, don't you know who I am? Give me the penthouse. Don't you know who I am? Give me your bed. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who are you? And we see that our God comes into this world with incredible humble means in a very humble attitude and heart. It's the way our God chooses. It's the way that he chooses things. We see going back one last time to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, which is another thing to think about. What does God choose? If God can choose to, to do whatever he wants, to be whatever he wants, or however, 
Isaiah 53, 2, talking about Jesus again in the future, like 700 years when Jesus comes on the scene, this is what we know a little bit more about him. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. That Jesus, beautiful, wonderful Jesus, grew up in a, be born into this, this oppressive desert wasteland called man's sin and oppression. And there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. In other words, what, what uh, God is saying here, I chose to come into this world to look very bland. Okay? How many of us, when we think about, man, if I had all the money in the world, I would choose to, you know, maybe go to a better barber, you know, get some hair, you know, and something like that. And, uh, you know, that we would choose to look differently. But our God, who could come into this world to look any way that he wanted to, came in a way that there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his parents. Why? Because what is so beautiful about our God, who became man, is not so much of what he looked like, What made him beautiful was his love and his choices. What's beautiful about Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, is his choices. His choice to be humble. His choice to understand our plight. His choice to grow up in this hard, harsh world that we live in. The choice to to die and die on the cross. His choices is what makes him so beautiful. So my hope is, as we kind of go through this Christmas season over the next kind of few weeks or whatever, that we would sit there and just sit there and and just appreciate God's choices. And appreciate the meaning behind his choices. That he loves you. That you would appreciate, God didn't have to do any of these things, but it shows us his character, his his love for us. And so that's the journey that we're going to be walking over the next few weeks. And so what I want to do right now is we have a little bit more time with you guys and to make just a little bit of a, of a turn with you. About a month or so ago, I gave a message to our congregation. Some of you are here, just giving you an update about where we are as a church family. And some of the things that we have been um, struggling with uh, as a church family. Uh, some of the things like financially with, with our roof, uh, leakage, uh, through making budget and things of that nature. And we've also just talked about how really, in, in a lot of ways, that that is a challenge that we have. But at the same time, we've been celebrating everything that God has been doing through us over the last few months. So what I want to do is I just want to give you a little update of where we are and kind of where we're heading a little bit. If you remember the things I kind of gave out to you guys, we, I talked about, hey, here's some five things that you could do. Number one, how about belong? You know, belong, just be part of this church family. We're kind of getting out of COVID. It's time to kind of, instead of being passive in relationships to other people, it's time for us as followers of Jesus Christ to, to kind of engage in our relationships with one another, to be a family. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, serving and getting together and saying, okay, let's dive in and let's be together and work together to go and love and serve in the name of Jesus Christ. We talked about tithing and we talked about inviting and we talked about prayer. And so what I want to do is I want to give us just a little bit of an update on where we've been. 
So first of all, I just want to talk about just belonging and serving, okay? And what's been happening since uh, really this whole fall, because I think it's probably important for you guys just to know, God has been moving in amazing ways here at River Run. First of all, it started in this fall, started way back in September on Labor Day, where we, um, you know, basically anointed or installed some incredible leaders, our elders here at River Run. And I can't tell you what incredible blessing they have been to me personally. These guys have been getting together pretty much every other week on a Thursday night from, um, you know, till about 11 o'clock at night, talking through and praying through and discussing all the things that are going on around here at River Run, our challenges, and also the movement of where God wants us to move our church body as well. Uh, they've been an incredible blessing. They're just like you. They have jobs. They have families. But they've chosen to, to make that sacrifice to be able to help uh, our church to become stronger and have a greater impact into our own community. Not only that, but we also started a team called Financial Freedom Team. I don't have a picture of them. We usually meet on Zoom every week, pretty much. Some weeks have evolved, but almost every single week. And this Financial Freedom Team is really just thinking through the issues of how can we figure out ways by which, through this period of time, we can generate some extra income so that we can fund ministry and continue to fund ministry well to keep the movement of what God is doing around here, um, you know, full steam ahead. And so I just want to give you an idea of some of the things that have been going on around here. If you remember, just a couple of, of months ago, we did this amazing Blue Day where we had baptisms outside, where people chose, they made the choice to respond to this eternal gift that God has given them through giving their life to Jesus Christ. And what an incredible opportunity and what an incredible day that was just to celebrate God's movement in their lives. God is moving through our children's ministry here at River Run. Um, last week, we had something like 60-something kids, 15 volunteers. We talk about belonging and serving this, this, this fall. So many of y'all and so many of the teachers who are back there right now uh, made the choice that they wanted to serve your children, to love on them, to give them a space by which they can hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, but not just to hear it back there but also to experience through the love of all of our children's workers out there. It's been absolutely phenomenal, just the growth back there, and that's been great. Not only that, but just even with our student ministry, as Brian was saying that uh, earlier, we had like somewhere like around 60 students plus all the volunteers um, just this last Wednesday night for a great bonfire and, and lives being changed within the lives of our children. And how important is student ministry now with all of just the confusion and all the things that our students have to navigate now to have a place for them to be able to come, feel loved, feel accepted right where they're at, and also to get clarity of who Jesus is and, and the life of what it means to follow Jesus. This fall, we had people gathering together every single week in people's homes through small groups and having fun, celebrating life, celebrating birthdays, having a good time out there, like this small group right here. And not only that, but people getting baptized in small groups as well, which is awesome. This is Sydney Wright uh, baptizing Will in, at, in their small group in their backyard and celebrating God's work in not only in Will's life there, who's getting baptized, but also celebration of the community of together in Christ, which is absolutely phenomenal. This fall, we had many of you guys getting together, talking about belonging and serving together, just organically in a lot of ways. Going to people's homes. 
Like the Bennett's here, whose, whose house was basically flooding and people just kind of going and loving them and serving them and the Wadsworths and, and anybody else who had a need just to jump in as far as a church family, getting dirty, getting mucky, getting out in the heat and going and loving and serving people here at River Run. We also had here during the fall, we also had 3,000 people come and hang out here on our campus, as so many of you. In fact, I don't recall a time when we talk about, you know, what, what God has been doing and stirring the hearts of our body here. I don't remember the time that we've had so much, so many people get so excited and jump in to serve like y'all did during Trunk or Treat. Car after car were coming by our, our parking team ministry as they were leaving here, this campus on Trunk or Treat, just thanking them for your hospitality, your love, your serving, and to give this opportunity for the community to connect. Absolutely amazing. We've been getting out into the community as well, just kind of going to different kind of, like for instance, great day in the country, meeting some people, uh, getting out into our community, uh, having conversations with people uh, as well, which has been really neat too. We have this semester as well, we, we pulled back into becoming you know, one service, in order to, again, kind of let work on what does it mean to belong, to be together as a family. And look at around this room. It's so wonderful to see all of us together, worshiping together in the name of Jesus Christ. And how great is that? Just the energy that y'all bring together as a family and the encouragement that it is. I know not only to me, but to the rest of the people here. It's wonderful. What a blessing that has been for us. And not only here, but out in the lobby and outside of people getting together and having conversations, meeting new people. And just um, having that space has been just really fantastic as well. And that tree out there, the hope tree out in the lobby, we put, we put so many stockings on there. We put um, the ornaments on there. And you guys just kept taking them and signing them, putting those lights up to, to represent the light into our community and into the lives of the children that those gifts are going to impact. Never. We've never had that like that since I've been here for almost nine years at River Run. Just that quickly going. And as more families were coming to us that, that where a child would be blessed to, you know, to be able to give, we put, Mindy would go, and on a Sunday she would put a few more ornaments on there, and then boom, they're gone. And then another week, put some more on there, boom, they're gone. That's what's been going on just this fall. And I'm humbled and I'm so grateful for the movement of God just in the heart of so many of y'all in the way of just connecting and also just serving as well. To become together, not just to serve to do tasks, but to really see people who's just like, what I want to do is I want to be used in this moment just to go and to love other people and to love them well. And so I brought Caleb up here. Caleb's going to kind of bring us through the last pieces of those, those five things that we talked about. Yeah, um, and you might have thought I got the microphone to tell you that Mi Michigan is the Big Ten champions. But that's not why. But no, um, I'll tell you what, even, at, even standing here in front of you all, um, personally, our family, we've been a part of this church the last six years, and I've never been more excited to be part of this family and what God is doing in and through this community uh, in the midst of Chulioto, Oviedo, East Orlando. And I'm excited about that. And uh, Pastor Tally talked about the belonging and serving pieces. As he, as he went through the other five, the next one was to give. And so with giving, um, I'm part of the, the community of elders. And so um, as a representative of that group, as we think about giving, we're really, as we go into December, there's an interaction of two realities. So the first one 
is just to echo what Pastor Tyler mentioned before, that this year, um, one of the challenges we face is where we're at in terms of our budget and, and, and funding. Um, and so this time last year, we're about $68,000 um, less than we had last year this time in terms of giving. So that's one, one piece of it. And there's natural implications of that, right? As a community, there is. As a family, you make adjustments for that. And one of those things is that the staff and elders have worked really hard as we look to next year at stewarding well every dollar that we do have as a community and investing it that it's used for the mission and the ministry of this church. Um, you'll see that and we want to live with honesty and, and, and integrity as a community. So one of the ways you'll see that is um, we have budgets available as well for you to look at if you want after service. The elders will be here with those for you to see, hey, how are we planning on using the resources in 2023? But that's, that's the reality of where we're at alongside the, the roof as was mentioned in the previous kind of family meeting we had. But with that, the other reality that interacts with that is that December, historically, as a family river run, has been an incredible expression of generosity as people through end-of-year giving invest in the future. And that's really what giving is. You know, giving is not, um, we, we always say it, giving isn't a back pay. It's not trying to uh, pay a debt before God, right? It's not. Giving isn't a back payment. Giving is investment, which means giving is about investing in the future, in the immediate, um, as you, we pray through how God's calling us to invest in the church this month, um, that investment is in the ministry of 2023. It's in more students being discipled in this min- the student ministry here. It's in more kids and families being impacted through, uh, through River Kids. It's in more people being connected in small groups and outreach events and all that's going to happen in 2023. So we really want to invest towards that. And also, in the near future, is this roof, and that's not... So you know, it's not a small investment we'll be making as a church community. It's significant. Um, And so as we all participate in that through prayer and through giving, um, we're going to see that happen as well. And those are necessary things. Uh, Necessary things, not backwards, but forwards. Um, We really believe in what God has called this church to be. Um, I've met some of you that have just started coming even in the last couple of months. There are more people that we need to reach with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And we believe in what God has called this church to be. And, uh, and we love and appreciate you. So really want to lean into that as a church community, uh, to give. And again, as I mentioned, the elders will be available. We're readily willing to, to you look at what, what is it I'm giving towards next year. If you have questions about that, we're, we're happy to talk about that um, with the budgets that we have available for you. And then the, the fourth piece was invite. And, um, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But this is a season where uh, our, all around us, people are more open than typically to coming and being connected to a church service, a gathering of some sort. And so I really want to encourage us, but, but we don't want to just invite people to church service. But really to consider in this season, how can we as a family, how can we as people in our community engage with others to invite them to relationship, to invite them to belong in a family, and ultimately to invite them to know the person of Jesus Christ. Because really, you can come, you can sit here, and nothing really is life-changing unless you come to know the person of Jesus Christ. And so really want us to be praying into that and looking at how can we engage with our neighbors, engage with our coworkers, our classmates, our family members, to invite them not just to a church service, but to invite them to a place of belonging and to invite them to belong as children of God through relationship in Jesus Christ. Good. So thank you, Caleb. Um, so the last thing, though, I just want to talk about was prayer. And, you know, sometimes as, as when, you know, when we think about challenges or things that we need or things like that, we, we do. We think about prayer a lot. 
And uh, one of the things is kind of thinking about just prayer as far as just moving us forward just financially. You know, at first you can just sit there and say, hey, God, here's our financial needs. We got, you know, a roof that uh, most quote at about half a million dollars to fix. We got, we got budget to meet and all of these things. So God, give us the money. But over the time, what I've learned is really life, two things, really. One is the kingdom of God is about choices, and the choice ultimately is about love. And so when we talk about prayer, my prayer really is, God, I pray that you would stir our hearts by which we would choose to love you well, to love each other well, and to love our community well. And that's going to look through how we treat one another, and it's going to look at how we do generosity and, and how we steward what we have for God's kingdom and how we steward that together. But ultimately, it is about the choice of us coming together to have an amazing impact into our community. And so I invite you and encourage you during this month of December that you would just be continuing to pray that God would make us healthy, God would make us strong, that God would use us and use our hearts to move it in such a way, in all these different ways, to have an impact into the lives of our family here at River Run, but more than that, lives and in the, in the impact in those lives who do not know Jesus Christ at all. That's our goal. And like Caleb said, uh, it's our desire to, to be transparent as that as well. And so at the end of this service, our elders will be here and would love to have a conversation with you about our finances and give you a budget or anything like that. Because we know that if we're going to do this together, there has to be trust together as well. So we want to do that. Um, so uh, Sid's going to pray for us here. Sid has been part of River Run for how many years, Sid? Over 20. Over 20 years? Over 20. Over 20 years. And he's seen it all. And I think one of the things that he's seen, one thing consistent over time is God's faithfulness and God's faithfulness when people choose to follow him. And so he's going to pray here, and our elders are going to be up front here. Uh, you can come up. We highly encourage you to come up and just pray with them. Uh, that's your choice. Uh, you can choose to pray right where you're at. Not only that, but this is a wonderful time to take advantage that uh, there is those communion cups on the way in. Hopefully you grabbed one of those. And also just right where you're at, just as we kind of sing this song, that you would just ask God just to, you know, remind you of this choice, <laughs> remind you that he chose you and that he loves you and that he would do anything for you and, and to spend that time just interacting and communing with him in that moment. And like I said, our elders will be up here as well to pray with them over whatever that may be um, on your heart. And we're going to sing a song here after he prays called Surrender. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're just going to allow God just to work in our hearts as we surrender to him. Sid, why don't you go ahead and pray for us? I think the reason they uh, actually picked me to say this (laughs) prayer today is because not only I'm the oldest elder, uh, I'm the oldest elder in longevity but I've been waiting 20 years to say this. I'm also the wisest elder. (laughs) Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, we just thank you so much for loving us, for loving our church, Lord, and loving our River Run family. Father God, you know the struggles we have more than we do. And Father God, we know you're the great provider. And Father God, I know you're going to show us the way, Lord, to... uh, uh, to get on this uh, hump that we're at right now, Lord, and 
uh, get us off to a positive start in 2023. Lord, we're just going to praise you, Lord, and, and turn this thing over to you, Lord. And Father God, all we want to do is end the year on a high note, Lord, so we can go into the new year, Lord, and get back to the business at hand. And Lord, that's, that's baptizing people and bringing people closer to you. So, Father God, just uh, guide us, direct us, give us wisdom, give us knowledge. And, Lord, we, we, we're just going to give you all the glory and the praise forever. And, Father God, in closing, Lord, my church is one of the most important things in my life mm -hmm. because it brings me closer to you. I ask for your blessings on our church, and it's to lift it up to you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a part of this congregation and a part of you. Thank you for your amazing love. Amen. Amen.